Thank you, worship team. You may be seated. First thing I got to do is I got to move up here a little bit. I don't know what it is. Every church I've ever been in, the front couple rows are always empty. I don't know why that is. Everyone loves those back seats. And, you know, I've sat in back there. They're not that great. You know, it's a little bit further to see. And you have to look at everyone in the back of everyone's head. And mine is starting to bald back there a little bit. So that's not so, so good. I say, is there someone up in the precinct? They could confirm that. So, but it actually works out well that I can be a little bit closer to you. I mean, I took a shower and shaved and everything this morning. I'm not sure why. Yeah, no. Yes, and PJ made sure I had clean clothes. She checked me before I left, and she did the pastor's wife 10-point checklist. And so, but it is good to be here this morning, and we're going to talk about shepherding. And uh, kind of makes sense in a way. This is my first Sunday preaching to you now as your new pastor. So I know that's scary. It is. But what does that mean? And I mean, I had asked those questions uh, when we were interacting early on about what your expectations were and, and what my expectations were as well. And we, we kind of stumbled through that a little bit, uh, to be honest. And so maybe this will help bring some clarity about shepherding and what that means. And so the title of this morning's message is The Best, The Bad, Not The Ugly. It's the developing shepherd. I don't want to be ugly. I want to be developing. So that's, that's where we're headed this morning. So Psalm 23, if you brought your Bible, if not, Ike's going to have it up there. Man, he is good. He's got it up there already. But let's just read through this really quick. It's a familiar one. It's one we some of us may have even learned in Sunday school. Um, if I slip back into the old King James, you'll know why, because that's when I learned it back then. But the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me and you are, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, we could do the whole message just on this psalm, and a lot of people have preached it, but we're going to look at just a couple of things. But verse 1 has one very key word in it. Anyone want to guess what that key word is? Shepherd? Yeah, that's, that's one word, but that's not the key word, I think. Huh? I like nothing. Lord, the, uh, well, you, you had part of it. There, the biggest word in there is the Lord is my shepherd. We tend to miss that, but my shepherd means that it's mine. I am calling him my Lord. It's personal. It's a relationship. He is, if you can say that as a believer, he is my Lord. That's, that's essential to it, because otherwise, just stating that he is the shepherd, yes, we know that. I mean, he's God, and a lot of folks believe that part, but it's not a personal relationship. It's not my Lord. He's not my shepherd. Again, I say this is the best shepherd, right? All else failing, this is the one that we want to point to is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is my shepherd. He's my Savior. And so as believers, we need to claim that. There's a lot in this, and just a couple of things I found that were interesting. Um, if we read through this, uh, Dr. Tom Constable 
I, I use him as a commentary to kind of keep me in bounds, but he says this. He says, uh, for lacking in want, God gives us rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He gives us peace. He leads me beside still waters. Forgiveness, he restores my soul. Guidance, he leads me in the path of righteousness or leads me on the right path, as I like to put it. Companionship, for he's with me. Comfort, rod and staff, they comfort me. Food, prepares a table for me. Protection, he does this in the presence of my enemies. Acceptance, he anoints my head with oil. Abundance, for he gives my cup, my cup overflows. Grace, makes goodness and mercy follow me. Security, can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And again, David wrote this, and again, probably David's concept of this, again, was a relationship with him, with God. But again, he was probably thinking more of the Ark of the Covenant, the tent, the tent of meetings, or the temple. But again, as believers now, it's a new time, and we have that Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So we have that relationship now. And that relationship should go on, obviously, forever. And so it's a little bit different context, but it still works today. And again, it's still very important today to have that relationship with Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the, as we're talking about shepherds here, one of the primary needs of a shepherd or a leader is that he needs to care and take care of the sheep, right? And we are all sheep. Yes, I've been called as your pastor, and I'm an under-shepherd, but I, at the core, I'm still a sheep. And I found this to be true. Sheep are sometimes stinky. All right? If you came here this morning to be insulted, I've just done it, right? You guys are stinky sometimes, as I am stinky. Sometimes we get into messes. Sometimes we don't do things right. And so guess what? We just plain stink. Once, that's okay. God uses stinky people. And again, he wants his sheep to get them from stinky to bring them to clean. And in Jesus, we are clean. And that's the beautiful part about that. So that's the best shepherd, right? Stated the obvious, right? The Lord is the best shepherd. Now let's look at a bad shepherd, all right? So Ezekiel, we're jumping through the Bible a lot this morning. Ezekiel 34. And this is kind of the bad of the bad. These are what happens when shepherds lose sight of the good shepherd, of, of Jesus, and of God, and, and they stop following. Again, this is a period in time in Israel's history when they have wandered from the truth. They're no longer following God. They're following themselves. They're following their own will. They've gotten off track. And God, even in that, in his grace and his mercy, has sent prophets to help guide them back, to lead them back, to, hey, make that call, that hearken. He's given them that warning before it's too late. Unfortunately, if you know the story, Israel doesn't heed that warning and they end up in captivity. In fact, at this point, they end up in captivity so long that they never come back. They never have gotten the land back. Even today, they still do not have all the promised land. God removed that from them. It's going to be in the future tense. It's coming. But at this point, they still have not. But this is the point where it goes from really bad to worse. They go to captivity. So that's what the warning is here. And guess what? God places some of that responsibility on the leaders themselves. There are shepherds, and he uses that term, shepherds of his people, and he puts a responsibility on them. They have led the people astray. So there's responsibility with being a shepherd or an under-shepherd. And so in verse, uh, chapter 34, verse 1, 
The guy's got it up there as well. Man, he's so good. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesying against the shepherds of Israel. Prophecy to say to them, what, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Okay, I'm going to stop right there a little bit. Right? So we see kind of the first principle there. One of the, the responsibilities and one of the, 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 the primary needs is for the shepherd to take care of the flock, to take care of the sheep, to tend to them, to watch over them. Again, we'll look at, there's a lot that goes into that part of it, but they haven't done it. And so God is going to treat them harshly for that, but that is a primary responsibility, taking care of the flock, looking out over the flock. Here's some of the ways that they didn't do that. They says they ate of the curds, clothed yourselves with the wool, and slaughtered the choice animals. But you do not care of the flock. You did not care for the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up their injuries. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. It's a pretty tough list. It's pretty harsh, isn't it? on these leaders, but this is what they've been doing. And again, it wasn't something they just did once. They did it over and over and again, and it became a way of life. They only took care of themselves. To be a good shepherd, you can't be selfish. You need to be sacrificed. You need to give up some of your own things for the sake of the flock, to stay with the flock. And again, if you know sheep, they don't move very fast sometimes. They move slow. So you have to be in pace. You have to be in step with them. You need to be watching out over them. You need to be looking for those times when they need care. Times when they, whether it's an emotional or a physical need, you need to know those things. You need to be proactive in many of those things. And so that's part of what they haven't done there. And again, we can learn from that as far as what to do uh, today as shepherds. I also like here what it says, you've not brought back the strays or search for the lost, Right? People wander off. I'm sure that as you look around this morning, you may know someone that maybe he's wandered off from here. They used to come on a regular basis and everything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But someone that you know, they may just be away visiting. I know some people take vacations and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But someone that came on a regular basis, was part of it, was active, and now we don't know where they are. They strayed away. Or maybe they were never a sheep to begin with. Maybe they're totally lost. Because guess what? Outside these doors, there are lots of sheep out there, or potential sheep. They're lost. They're lost to this world. You ever think about that? When you look at people, you really you kind of fall into two categories. You're either a sheep or you're a potential sheep. A long time ago, I, I prayed that prayer. I said, God, give me eyes to see people as you see them. And that was kind of the first thing that came to, to mind was as either someone who's already saved or someone who's not saved and has potential to be saved. And then I moved on from that prayer to, God, not only should I see them, but should, that I should have a love for them. That was a harder prayer, and I'm still working through that one. Because guess what? It's hard to love. It's hard to love sometimes. It's hard enough just to love those that are believers, but boy, it's really hard to love those who are not believers. Again, we all struggle with that to some degree. So that's part of that hearing as well. As we look at the, the negative side, we can draw on what we should do from this. And so there's a consequence for the shepherds being bad. And we see that in verse 5 here. It says, So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. Lack of leadership. And when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. 
My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Right? They get scattered. They've gotten away. They strayed away. But ultimately, again, back to Jesus, right? They're his sheep. So there's still that opportunity. They still have a chance to go back and be Jesus. It may not be that shepherd that brings them back. It may have to be someone else. A lot of times, sometimes the sheep leading sheep back is one of the greatest joys you can see because that's, that's when yeah, that relationship gets built and sheep staying together. So that's all part of that as well. I'm not going to read the rest of this, but you could read on here and you can see what happens to these shepherds. Again, God judges them harshly. So I don't want to be a bad shepherd. We know who the best shepherd is. Let's look a little bit now towards the developing shepherd. And I want to stop a little bit over here in Luke on the way, way across because there's one part of shepherding that sometimes gets overlooked. So Luke chapter 15. I know we're covering a lot of scripture this morning. I would encourage you to, this week to take some of these passages and read through them. Maybe study them a little bit more and go a little bit deeper with them. I'm just kind of hitting the highlights this morning um, as we're working on this theme of shepherds. This may be familiar to you, but Luke chapter 15 talks about the parable of the lost sheep. Again, a passion of mine is, is those that are lost. And so um, this one rings true. And again, it's one of those things that as shepherds and as sheep, we need to be conscious of and to be doing. The context is set up here just in the first couple of verses. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around near him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Again, that's the context, right? Pharisees are watching Jesus and he's saying, hey, look at who he's hanging out with. I hope I'm not breaking band of brothers uh, code here, but I'm, we actually had a discussion yesterday morning about this very thing. And the talk kind of centered around the fact that if, as we have been Christians for a long time, we sometimes lose track of non-believers. We only hang out with Christians. And we, we have a hard time, I don't even know someone, that, that none of my friends are non-believers. And so looking for opportunities to share Christ becomes difficult. And so we have to be aware that we have to kind of stretch ourselves and we have to kind of get out of our comfort zone to do that. And that can be difficult in many ways. But it's a, it's a point here that the Pharisees are watching Jesus and watching who he's hanging out with. Again, I, if, to be like Jesus, to hang with some of these people. Again, not to be entrenched with them, but to, to see them as uh, potential sheep, potential folks to witness to. To have a relationship with them in hopes to lead them to Christ. Verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and say, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. There's actually two ways to interpret this passage. And again, I've looked at both and I think they both could apply in many ways. So again, we'll keep it under that. There's two ways of looking at it. But the 99 most likely could represent, um, the righteous could represent the Pharisees. 
or the 99 could represent believers and a sheep in a normal church setting. And you can interpret, both will work. The illustration will work for both of them. Then then the question becomes, well, who's the lost? Right, is it a lost sheep? Is it a sheep that was in the fold and now experiences they've gone and they've gotten entrenched in sin? And that happens. I don't know about you, but my own experience is a lot of times when people kind of get off the rails and, and they get entrenched in sin, the last place they want to be is in church, right? They, they don't want to be around other believers. They don't want to, they just kind of slide out and they, you just kind of, they disappear. Or does it mean the lost who have never heard the good news? Again, either interpretation win, works, but the point here is Jesus cares about the lost, and so as an under-shepherd, it has to be one of the qualifications for a pastor or an elder the same way. He has to be caring for the loss. One of the other applications you can draw from that, there are going to be times when the pastor's not going to be with the flock, right? He's going to leave you for a time, and he's going to be off looking for the lost. That should be part of his normal routine. Part of the expectation is, that I'll be off with the lost. And again, it's okay as long as I'm not neglecting the flock totally. Again, there's that balance in everything that we do. And there is balance in our walk with Christ. There's balance in being a good shepherd. But when I find, or when you find that person and you lead them to Christ and then they become a new sheep, we all collectively should be rejoicing. There's a lot of things that we can rejoice about. There's a lot of fun things that happen in a church life, right? There's babies, there's dedications, there's weddings, there's baptismals, there's new members. There's even celebration of lives. I know that sounds weird, but I can enjoy a funeral, especially when it's a believer and rejoice with them. I can minister to those folks who have lost someone. Again, that's all part of church life. But one of the greatest joys that we should have is when we hear of someone from this flock or the pastor himself sharing the gospel and someone actually accepts it. And we have a new sheep among our, our, our flock. That's when we need to rejoice. That's what we need to, to be about. It's what we need to do. So it has to be part of it. It has to be part of shepherding. It has to be part of our church flock and part of our group here. All right. Stop there, and I can get excited about that. And we could, again, spend a little more time, but we're going to jump now to 1 Peter chapter 5. And letting you know, this is the last stop that we're making here on this journey through the Bible. I feel like I'm kind of jumping through. Like Bryce was commenting that he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to do a prayer time because I've taken up a sixth of the Bible or so here. But no, there's still plenty left in the Scriptures. But again, and there's a lot more on sheep and shepherds. Again, they use this analogy quite often, illustration. Now again, with all illustrations and analogies, they break down at some point. There's not going to be a shearing. We're not going to be sacrificing. We're not going to be eating lambs. So again, there's a breakdown in this. But it is a good one, especially for the day and for today as well. Uh, the care and the sheep and that among us. So Peter here gives these instructions. And again, it applies so well to the church in the setting that we're in this morning and as we continue. It says, to the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one shepherds also will share in the glory to be revealed. Don't miss verse two here. 
Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to do. Stop there for a minute. God's flock, right? Remember what I said in the beginning. Who's ultimately the, the chief shepherd? Christ, right? Back to God, back to the Lord. We are just under shepherds. We're just overseers. One of the things that PJ and I both marked when we first came and first even started looking at Pointway churches, um, and I don't know if you know this or not, but you have five elders. And you know what? They are five good elders. I can't tell you how much I appreciate them. They, they have helped even us in the process of getting here, but they have been helpful even in just um, trying to get settled in and trying to figure out what is what. Because guess what? I don't know what's what all the way. I'm, I ask more questions. These poor guys have had to answer more emails and Facebook posts and texts and um, they don't even know what's in store for them. We have an elders meeting tomorrow night, and uh, we just keep adding to the agenda. So I don't know. It might be a, a pizza night, elders, just so you know. But, but I do. I appreciate each and every one of them. I also appreciate their wives and their families, because I also understand that part of it as well. They are giving up that time as well. And so you have five good elders. They are. They are good elders. And again, that's a, a huge help to a church because guess what? That is the, the infrastructure. That is the help to the shepherd. And now you've added me to that mix. Hopefully I don't mess it up. But no. But you've added. You, you, have, you have good things in place. You are ready and on the cusp. I really believe this. On the, on the ready to grow and to experience growth. And again, one of the things that we're going to be discussing is vision. Vision has is, is got to be part of it. Where are she going next? Where are we moving next? One of the things I failed to mention, that's one of the other things about sheep. If they don't continually move, they don't grow. Again, that, that's that concept that's kind of, you don't think about it, but you have to be moving. Because guess what? Eventually you eat up the grass. <laughs> the grass is no longer there. But it, it, it's in our own lives as well, right? If we don't move, if we just stay the same, we don't grow. A lot of times we don't like to grow, right? It's not comfortable always to grow. Sometimes it takes a little bit of nudging, right? Guess what? Sometimes it's going to take a little nudging from maybe your pastor. You know, sometimes that's part of the, the reason that getting to know you in that relationship is important because it's a lot easier to hear it if we have a relationship. You're going to receive it better. But there may be a little nudge every once in a while. Hopefully you won't have to see my size. No, I'm just kidding. Size 12 and no, no. I'll reserve that for the elders. No. Just kidding. There's five of them. There's no way I don't stand a chance. So. Uh, no. But in jest. But there will be times, though, that we all need a nudge. I need a nudge every once in a while. And so that, that's part of it as well. But there's also the care and the love that comes with it. Right? In order to be a good shepherd, you have to love the sheep. And that's part of that prayer of mine is to give me that love, but a love for, for you here and a caring. And so that, that's part of being a good shepherd. Here's the warning again. And again, we, we talked about this warning was back in Ezekiel. It's the same warning that, that's here brought forward in the next verse, right? Do not be greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those 
entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, right? Not in it for the money. Your elders are definitely not in it for the money, but, uh, and I'm not, well, by the time they get done, they won't be in it for the prestige either because I'm going to beat up on them pretty hard. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. No, but your elders have that already. And again, that, that, that characteristic needs to come through. And again, money can get in the way. And again, money can be, uh, is used here, but it also can be time. Uh, it can be our rights, our will. There's a lot of things that go wrapped into that. Eager to serve. Not only willing to serve, but eager to serve. Willing to help out. Willing to serve in those areas. Again, sometimes serving in areas that they may not be their giftedness. Right? It may not be what they exactly want to do. They may not even feel comfortable doing it. But guess what? They know that there's a need there. We need to serve in that area. Especially as, as elders. That has to be taken care of. Because at the end of the day, those things are only going to get done. If someone puts hands and feet to it. So... Eager to serve is another one. This next part I could like to cut out if I could, but I don't think you would let me. And, but being an example, right? That's a hard one, being an example. And that's not only being an example when I'm in front of you and when you see me, but that's being an example whether I'm out in the community, whether I'm at home with my wife, I'm out on the boat fishing, which I hope to do at some point in time. Um, I will, all right. There's faith. There we go. I need that faith. Because uh, right now it looks not very hopeful. But, but no, but everywhere I need to be that example, right? When I, whether I'm meeting with pastors or wherever I am in any situation, being the example. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to do it right all the time. I know that, that there are failings in that. But I need to be striving so that I am an example. Someone that is worthy to be followed is really what the, the context and what that's looking at there. And I like, because it, it knows us so well, it, it gives us the answer back again about who is the chief shepherd, right? Next verse. Chief shepherd appears to you, and you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. I'm going to keep going here because I think these next verses go right along with that. And again, as it bookends a congregation, as, uh, even though it does mention young men here, it can certainly refer to the, the congregation as a whole. Uh, it can refer to uh, women in the congregation. Again, this is the, the body at large here. But it says, young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you should clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Brent used that last week, that same verse in James, and it originates out of Proverbs 3.34. But again, if you want to memorize something, you want to memorize a verse that will help you, um, this one is a good one. This one could be a nice bumper sticker for someone if you want to use that. But God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Right? I don't want to be working against God. Right? And pride gets in our way. And again, if we trace back most of the problems that we have, somewhere in there, there's usually a root or a hint of pride. Pride is what gets us in trouble, right? But being humble is full of grace, right? Brent did a good job with that last week about grace and suffering and that God gives us grace to get through those things. But we need grace. We need to be grace. We need to give grace to one another. We need to give grace towards the elders and the shepherd as well. Because we want to receive grace. 
In case you didn't get it from that verse, the next verse just tells it and kind of drives it home. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There's another whole sermon there on anxiety and worry. I'm not going to get into it today, but that's a struggle in, in the church, and it's also a struggle uh, in our personal lives, and our world is full of people that are anxious or worry. Um, but the God, Bible does talk about that and gives us clear on that. But again, where we are to place that anxiety, give it back to the Lord. Right? Our anxiety and our worry um, detracts from our walk with God. Verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Again, I wanted to get down to this verse because this really is the verse that kind of reminds us and brings that back around to that flock and that sheep, right? He prowls around like a lion. If you think about it, the picture here is that he's circling around. And guess what he's circling around? He's circling around the sheep. Not worried about the world. They're already set. They're already in his camp. But he's, worried. he's, he's more focused on the sheep. And again, if you know how predators work, right? They don't jump in the middle and just grab the... They look for the herd at once, right? They kind of circle around. They look for the weak. They look for the ones. They look for the strays. They look for the ones that maybe are just starting out in their faith. Or maybe they're wounded a little bit. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they, they, they're not connected. Maybe they're just kind of out on the fringes. Those are the ones that get picked off first. And that's not to say that the devil doesn't attack the shepherd in that as well, because again, you take out a shepherd, and then the, the flock scatters, and then there's lots of food around. So again, that, that concept works too, but by and large, he's looking for sheep to pick off one by one. So it works well with that. And again, that's the enemy of the flock. It's the enemy of the shepherd. In verse 9, if we, as we close this morning, resist him, stand firm in the faith, because you know your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. It's a lot of hope in here, but the prescription is to stand firm. A dear brother of mine once reminded me, we were going through the, the full armor of God, but one of the words that comes out more often and often in, in that armor, if you go back and look at that, is standing firm. I think as believers and even as a church, we've given up too much ground. We've taken steps back away from positions. We've taken steps back away from many things. We don't stand firm in our faith, and therefore we lose ground. But my brother used to remind me that the ground that we stand on, though, is not our own. We stand on God's ground. We stand on God's word. We can stand on those things confidently. Because again, it's not us having to defend it, it's God's. But we are called to stand firm on that. And again, resist Him. We don't have to give in. So again, important teaching. That's a, probably another message for another day. But, um, and then the encouragement at the end. Do you realize that you are not alone? There are other folks. There's other folks worshiping this morning. There are other believers not only here in Minnesota, but around the world that are literally facing the same struggles, same things, some of them in more difficult situations, some of them not. We're also part of a bigger family. We're part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. So there's a, a district, there are other churches in our surrounding area, but there's also churches around the world 
that are all part of the alliance and have the same heartbeat, the same love, and the same compassion, and have the same struggles as us. And so that should bring us some encouragement. We're not alone in this. We're not doing this all by ourselves. So I've talked a lot about shepherds this morning. Who's the number one shepherd? Who's the chief shepherd? Jesus. Some of you were paying attention. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad I wasn't alone. Who is the number one shepherd? Who is the shepherd? Who can you say is my Lord? All right, a few more. All right, we're getting there. We're getting there. All right, that's good. There's not a quiz, but I'm just, I want to make sure that's clear. He is the shepherd. And hopefully you can say he is my shepherd. Don't take anything away from this morning. Take away that, that he is my shepherd. But there are some things that you can do for myself and for the elders. And I'm asking this request from from you as as the sheep and just a, a, a little bit of a punch list this morning. But if you could first and foremost pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray for his wife. Pray for the elders and their wives. Right? Pray. Pray, pray that we have vision. Pray that we take care of the sheep. Pray that we um, lead effectively. Pray that we can be good examples. Please, please pray. Pray. And guess what? I know this to be true. We, in turn, will be praying for you. All right? So that's number one. Well, number one is, is, is the Lord, but number two is pray. Secondly, get to know us. Spend time with us, with myself, the elders. Some of you have already done that. Some of you have already invited spent homes, and we have scheduled dates, and we spend time together. But I mean, in, in all honesty, spend time. Because you know what? As I get to know you, and we get in a relationship, and, we, and that relationship grows, I can be a better shepherd. I can be more effective. I can know how to pray for you. I can know when you may be struggling, and we can be there for you. It's a lot easier if we're in that relationship together. And so I just ask that of you, just be open. Um, and, and you can tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly if you need to. That's okay. We can take it. But really, I wanna, we want to be in a relationship with you. We want to be there for you. But if we don't know what's going on in your lives, it's hard to do that. There's not a special gifting. I, I can tell you this from passion for a number of years now. There's not a special gifting. I cannot read minds. If anyone knows that, my wife knows that, she will, she will definitely, after 30 years, we're coming up on 30 years of marriage, and guess what? I do not know what she's thinking 99.9% of the time. The only other percent is when she's telling me directly with a two-by-four, and I need it. So, uh, but it's the same thing for you. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know exactly what you're all going through. I don't know unless you tell me, unless you communicate to me. And really, because I'm a man, you better communicate it with words, because sometimes I, I don't always read things right. But communicate, all right? Let me know what's going on. So, the Lord's my shepherd. He's the first. Two, pray. Three, relationship. And lastly, give grace. I'm going to ask for it up front, but give grace. Um, as I mentioned, it's a developing shepherd, I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for the elders. They can, they can speak on their own, but it's developing, and that means that we have not, well, I'm going to, again, speak for myself. I have not developed, or I am not anywhere near the best shepherd. So it's a process. I'm still learning. There are many things that I know I do not know. 
but give grace. Give grace to me. Um, that doesn't mean let me slide on things. I, I don't mind being held accountable. If there's something you see, please, by all means, come and see me about it. Same thing with the elders. I've given them that same permission. Call me out on it. But give grace. Give grace when I do fall. Give me grace when I may not communicate things correctly. But give grace. So those are my five things. There's probably more in there, but just on those things as a flock, I'm asking those things from you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. Thank you for this body of believers here. Thank you for Point Way Church, Lord. I thank you for bringing us together. I thank you for the blessing that it is to come and to worship you this morning. And Lord, we do call you my shepherd, my Lord. Those of us that are believers, Lord, and if there's someone here this morning that does not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, may they not walk through these doors until they come into that relationship with you. Lord, I do ask that you would just help us as a flock, as your flock, that we would grow closer together, Lord, that we would continue to invest in each other, to spend time with each other. Lord, I pray for the elders and myself as well, Lord, that we would be good shepherds, that we continue to grow, that we continue to, to lead as you've called us to lead. Lord, keep us humble so that your grace may abound. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.